so something that I've always found interesting is uh-huh. uh, the very concept of the floor is lava. <laughs> like like the the kids game yeah where, the kids game like they crawl over the couch and jump all over yeah the yeah the, the okay. floor you know everybody knows the game yeah and that's what I find interesting because when I was a kid uh huh I am ninety nine percent sure that nobody taught me that game it was a game that we just made up on the fly right yeah it's not like tic tac toe or hopscotch where you you learn the game from somebody else. It was it is just it was just a thing, and I'm pretty sure that's how it is with everybody. Yeah, it's it's a universal universal constant, kind of like the the cool S. Like yeah. <laughs> every every school on the planet has invented the cool S. Yeah. Like no, like you you get taught that cool S by other people in your school, but they weren't taught it by anybody else. Yeah, no, it just it just it just developed. It yeah. developed. Yeah, it, it's mean... like something that humanity can't help but invent, like fire. And AI. <laughs> if you see so what you're suggesting is that if you yeah if you completely reboot humanity, right. we wipe us out. The, fr- the apocalypse happens and yeah. we we start at zero again. Um, two guaranteed uh, concepts that will be developed are the cool s and the floor is lava and fire. Yes, and, <laughs> and fire. And, eventually, and yes. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, yes. It's it's a progression. You see, <laughs> it's, you start with fire and then you get to the floor is lava. And then you get a cool S, and then you get AI. It's the, the timeline of humanity. Yeah. I, I see. Um, so welcome to Creature Crunch. Hi. Uh, the show where... <laughs> it's been three weeks it's... since we recorded. <laughs> yeah. This is our longest break in recording since we started. It, yep. Because we, we yeah. both got kind of sick. Uh, Matt got a visit from uh, Auntie Rona. And I... And, and conquered her. Beat the, I beat the hand. <laughs> destroyed the inevitable Omnicron. He <laughs> said, "No way, ma'am, get out." Yep. <laughs> and then I, and then I, and then I coughed for a week. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I just had an inner infection that made me feel like I was spinning around in a chair for a couple days. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is the this is the show where we. We take a creature, we tie it to a little rope, and send it out onto the onto the prairie, and and then uh, use it to fish for a much larger and much more dangerous creature. Uh, my name is Matt, and I'm Melvin's missing parents. And uh, this week we are covering our third request movie, mm-hmm. um, and one of my absolute personal favorites. Yeah, uh, Tremors. Yep, 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 yep. From 1990. Um, and it's good that this is a movie that we both really like and have seen. A million million times, because since it's been so long, we we were going to like record it right after we watched it like three weeks ago, and then all the stuff happened, and we haven't like watched it or like <laughs> really talked to each other since. Mm-hmm. So it's it's good that it's one that we're very familiar with and and can appreciate. <laughs> Absolutely, like, like this if, would be rough otherwise. Yeah, like like you were saying, if this was virtually any other movie, then this episode may just not have happened, right? Uh, or at least it would have been a very very different of beast. But... Yeah, if, if this would have been Big Legend, this episode would have been skipped. Like I, I would have, <laughs> I would have called that one, <laughs> which is too bad because I really enjoyed the Big Legend episode. Well, yeah, but it wouldn't have been as but... good because it would have been three weeks since we saw that, right? Film. So let's talk about Tremors. Uh, this is another movie uh, similar to Gremlins mm-hmm. that um, not only is it a personal favorite of both of ours, uh, we both really enjoy this one. And this one, Tremors is probably uh, in my top five creature movies. It's like, definitely up there, yeah. I, I, I love everything about this movie. 
Um, but it's also, you know, a cultural phenomenon. Like, you mm-hmm. know, everybody knows Tremors. Everybody's seen Tremors. Yeah. So, so this is, it's another tricky one. Um, and like, they're up to what? Six sequels now? Something like something that? Something like and that. A, and a TV series. Something like that. Yeah. And I think um, there's another TV series coming, if I'm not mistaken. There was, there was a pilot for, um, they, they, they made a pilot for a reboot. Okay. And like a realistic reboot, not a, maybe not realistic, but a more serious reboot uh-huh. with Kevin Bacon. Uh-huh. Um, you can find it on YouTube. Um, and it's not even a pilot. It's actually, it was a trailer for a pilot. Okay. Like they, they did a trailer as a proof of concept kind of right, thing. Right, right. And um, it, it's definitely one that takes itself way more seriously than any of the other movies. Um, first movie included, hmm. and I, it's unclear as to whether it was supposed to be an actual reboot or a direct sequel to the first one or not. But okay, um, I mean it's it's interesting to watch. Uh, I've got mixed feelings as far as it never obviously taking off in any right. way. Because on one hand, I I would love more Tremors done right. Um, <laughs> I have opinions on some of the more recent sequels. <sighs> um, but uh, but at the same time. Tremors taken too seriously sucks the the fun and spirit yeah, out of yeah. the originals. But um, I mean, we're, we're, we'll talk about those okay. probably in the future. But yeah, that's. I mean, it, it's a huge thing. Everybody knows Tremors. Everybody's mm-hmm. seen it. You can see. You can find the entire like seven movie collection at Walmart. It's right. Like, um. So, I guess if you haven't seen it for some reason. Like, Go watch it. We, we always find these movies where they're super classics to us, and we assume everyone has watched them. And then one of our friends is like, oh, wow, I've never seen that. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> right, right. I but mean, there, there's blind spots in everyone's uh, cultural zeitgeist. So Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm kind of a, a big example of that. Right, and That's right. kind of why I, I go into this show with that in mind. And you also have to imagine, I mean, there's a lot of kids, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of people who just it just misses them like you're saying there's yeah. gaps so um so if for whatever reason you haven't seen tremors go freaking watch tremors the mm-hmm. original uh it's fantastic yeah it's it's a lot of fun Can't it holds it up enough. pretty darn well yes it does um With i mean, the that couple caveats right and i'll we'll get to those honestly probably i i feel less than tremor uh i feel that there are less than um in in gremlins yeah personally like I think this this movie holds up a lot better than a lot of others, but yeah, we'll get to those. We'll get to mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, uh, just as, as forewarning, of course, there will be spoilers. Not that that's a huge deal with Tremors. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's another one of those movies that you can enjoy no matter right, right. how much knowledge you have of it. With most of the movies we've watched on here, there's not huge earth shaking twists, so it's like. Right. Um. But yeah, uh, we'll go ahead and jump right into this, I believe. Um, so Tremors was directed by Ron Underwood and written by uh, Underwood, Brent Maddock, and uh, S.S. Wilson. Um, the entire S.S. wrote this? The entire S.S. Gosh. Um, Wilson... I knew I said there was some controversial stuff, but gosh. <laughs> um, Wilson reportedly got the idea from the script. Uh, Wally was working for the U.S. Navy as a kind of a filmmaker there uh, for okay. them. Um, I've I've seen conflicting reports saying that it was him and Brent Maddock that that were working for the Navy and wrote the script, but um, most most sources that I can find just mention Wilson. Uh, wait, wait a sec. He was working for the Navy in the desert. He was. Uh... <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of boats out there. 
yeah, when I first read that, I had to stop too. But it, and most sources just leave it at that. Right. But another one was saying like he 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 had actually he he worked for the Navy as a filmmaker. He would okay. actually go out and do filming for promotional materials okay. or whatever else. So yeah, there's a reason for him to be out in in the California desert. It's just, it's like, it took me a sec, but uh-huh. then when I processed that information, it seemed very contradictory, and I was wondering if they just got really lost. They're <laughs> like, no, 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 go west, go west. Keep, go- keep, going. keep going, keep going. When you hit, when you hit, hit water, water, you'll know. <laughs> no, he was, uh, but he was, he was hiking over a big rock one day, he went along on a lot of hikes, and he just kind of daydreamed about the idea of being stuck on that rock for some reason, he's like... You know, ooh, what if there was something keeping me up here? And uh, he ended up bringing that to his friends, uh, Underwood and Maddock. And Underwood was working for National Geographic at the time. Okay. And when Wilson shared his idea with him, they all kind of piled together and started developing the original script. And Underwood was the one who kind of made sure that the, the monsters were developed into something that could theoretically exist. Okay. So... That's where a lot of the uh, scientific aspects of the the Graboids comes from. So, yeah. Um, and the three would actually go on to co-create the all three of the the following sequels. That surprises me. It it surprised me it, at like first. The, the first two I could see because they are like evolutions of the the same monster essentially. Yeah. But like the fourth one, I can't even remember the fourth one. The fourth one was the Wild West one. Really? Okay, yes. yeah, that surprises me then. So, that's... It, it did it first to me, too. Um, the first two, for sure, I felt... Yeah. They were very... Like, Tremors 1 and 2, to me, have a very similar tone, very mm-hmm. similar themes. The third one, they start going a lot more goofy. Yeah, yeah. And then the fourth one, they just kind of start throwing that out the door. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, but if, if you... Because I don't think you've seen the fifth one. No, I haven't. The fifth one is the last one I watched. I haven't watched any more beyond. Yeah. And after watching the fifth one, there is a very noticeable and uh, kind of stark shift in tone. Uh, you can definitely tell that they're, they're made by different creative talents. Hmm. Um, and given that information, the first four, like, you can see the uh, the, the relationship that okay. they have with each other. And I will say this, um, like, I remember as a kid growing up, you know, loving these movies, loved the first one, loved the second one. Third one was okay. I never I never watched the fourth one because I thought it looked stupid. Mm-hmm. I watched it a couple years ago, and I liked it a lot really? more than I anticipated. No, okay. the fourth one is a lot of fun. The movie did originally underperform in theaters, but more than tripled its box office gross in VHS sales and rentals. Yeah, yeah. I, this was a huge movie for that oh, yeah. period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The role of Valentine McGee, the, um, the our main character, our Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm. uh, was actually originally offered to Bill Paxton, Matthew Modine, and Bruce Campbell. I could see Bruce Campbell doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, before they even ended up landing on Kevin Bacon due to his star power at the time. Uh, similarly, uh, Maddock Im- imagined Burt Gummer being played by either Chuck Norris or Clint Eastwood during writing. Oof. Yeah. Glad that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, but we open up the movie with Valentine McKee, uh, played by our Kevin Bacon, waking up Earl Bassett, played by Fred Ward, by scaring him with a false alarm of a stampede from, like, four cows. Mm-hmm. Um, Earl is upset at this fault, at this fake fire alarm, uh, but Val ridicules him because it's, like, four cows. 
Um, <laughs> and then they have a conversation about how many cows constitute stampede. Yep. We never get an answer to that. No, we don't. We are left <laughs> hanging on that, that question. <laughs> Which is an interesting question, though. It's like, what? I, what is the number? I mean... <laughs> like, if it's one, I assume it's just like, oh, shit, runaway cow. Yeah. But... Is two a stampede? I think two might be a stampede. Two, two could be a stampede. Two or, two or more cows is a stampede. Does it matter how fast they're running? Huh? <laughs> I, like, I assume they're going at top speed. Like, I mean, if they're fair. just trotting... It, like, okay, if you have one cow and that cow walks away from you, you don't <laughs> yeah. say that cow is stampeding. <laughs> stampede! <laughs> <laughs> but if it's two cows if it's two cows and they're walking the same direction away from you but you can still run faster than they do i don't think it's a stampede okay so okay. the cows have to be traveling faster than you can travel by yourself and there has to be more than one of them i think we've defined a stampede well wait a minute because that, that that would define that would mean that stampedes differ from person to person because if if Let's say, hypothetically, two cows are running faster than, like, me. Because, let's face it, I can't run right. very fast. But then we also have, like, an athletic, like, Olympic runner next to me who can outrun them. Okay, okay. So it's a stampede to me, but not to him. No, no. We'll say it's two or more cows going the same direction faster than the average person can go. Okay. It's a stampede for everybody, but, like, some <laughs> people might be able to run to the cows. <laughs> okay. And, like, probably piss those cows off pretty bad. <laughs> And then you, and then you have more cows <laughs> and, and a bigger stampede. Oh, oh, I see the avalanche effect. Oh, the avalanche effect. Yes, many snowflakes create snowfall. <laughs> how how many? You know, okay, we're we're getting caught up in the weeds. Man. <laughs> hey, this, is good, this is good conversation. <laughs> we're like three minutes into the movie and we're so lost in the weeds. So while Kevin Bacon would later recall working on the movie as being one of the most fun experiences of his career, uh, at the time. However, he considered it an all-time low. I point. can actually kind of see that because, like, he's been in so many like big movies—not necessarily huge budget movies, but like big, like well, at starring the time, role was, movies. Well, like you said, they hired him for his star right, power. Right. He was a big actor, especially and, at the time. And then, like, the next day, you're in this weird little monster movie with Reba McIntyre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he apparently is quoted a lot by saying that he. He kind of fell to his knees, screaming at—not screaming at, but yelling, at, talking to his his uh, at the time pregnant wife. Um, just kind of like, "Oh my god, what am I doing? I'm I'm filming a movie about more underground worms, right?" And, and uh, like, I can easily see, yeah, that being kind of a rough thing. Yeah, but I guess. Um, I mean, you know, it's a looking, hell of a thing to go from Flashdance to this, or right, Roadhouse, <laughs> right? But uh, but at the same time, I think just in in retrospect, especially knowing how big the movie got he, mm-hmm. he was able and how to look, beloved it is honestly yeah and he was able to probably look back on it with a lot more fondness yeah and it's interesting to see see that <laughs> like he's like oh, i had a lot of fun and then i see uh he was like in tears <laughs> it's like wait what right so um val and earl uh we're introduced to the fact that these two are handymen who live and work in perfection nevada uh, a tiny isolated town in a valley it, it's um, a weird little town. Like, it, it really is. Yep. And it has a population of 14 people. Mm-hmm. Which gives us basically our entire cast for the movie. Almost. 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 Um, <laughs> interestingly, <laughs> stupidly enough, uh, the nitpickers and the uh, the fine-tuners uh, will point out that of those 14 people, the doc and his wife are not counted because they are not technically residents yet. Ah. But um, Melvin's parents are counted, even though they're not in the movie. 
Yeah. So so there are there's a cast of fourteen people. Mm-hmm. But, there's but, a cast of fourteen people, but not two of the people who live in the town. And then there's also yep. the the road workers. Yep. Who I don't think live in the town. No, that's fair too. Um Perfection was inspired by Darwin, California, which is an ex-mining community of around 32 people. Okay. Um, principal photography took place in Lone Pine, California, but reshoots actually took place in Darwin. Okay. The town of Perfection was completely built in just a matter of weeks and then completely dismantled after shooting. Yeah. So um, all of the buildings and all of the, everything you see in the movie is... Pro- it, it's, it's a set. That's pretty cool. In the middle of the desert. <laughs> so... It is really cool. Um, I remember reading somewhere that uh, that like most of the buildings and shops were just you know the facades. They were just the, the storefronts and stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's it's a neat little little thing. It's it's too bad that it's not still existence because that would be a huge tourist attraction. At this yeah, point. but um, of course they wouldn't know at the time. No. Um, but we get to watch Kevin Bacon absolutely fail at hammering in a staple <laughs> on a post, and it is simply the best thing. Um, my wife and I, okay, so my daughter, uh, this is going to come up with quite a few, uh, last year, um, my daughter watched this movie a lot. A Um, lot. She loved this movie. She, she called it the screaming worm. Um, she was like four at the time and she, (laughs) she just wanted it on repeat. So my Mm -hmm. wife and I watched it a lot and we'd end up quoting each other a lot. And like, this was one of our favorite scenes is watching Kevin Bacon fail at, at hammering in the staple. Um... (laughs) <laughs> IMDB claims that this was a gag that wasn't entirely scripted and that Earl's reaction is genuine and I'm relatively positive that this is a lie fabricated by Kevin Bacon for obvious reasons. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was that was not a gag. No. <laughs> that was just... That's, that's a man failing at a fence post. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I... Would, I would do the same thing. I would not do any better, but... Right, right. <laughs> it's just really funny how IMDb wants me to know that it's a gag. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a goof-em-up, Matt. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, we we would quote this all the time. And like one of our favorite lines is when uh, Earl and Val are driving away and Earl's like... You never take the long view. I mean, here it is Monday and I'm already thinking of Wednesday. It is Monday, right? And Penny and I will quote that at each other whenever we make a mistake. Be like, here you are thinking about Wednesday and it's only Monday. <laughs> it's good stuff. Anyway, um, they speed off to meet with the, the new seismology grad student who's a girl. Oh, man. Um, Val is very excited in hopes that she's uh, basically a bimbo type. But oops, she's a nerd and well-rounded character. Um, <laughs> her name is Rhonda LeBeck. Um, she's played by Finn Carter. Uh, she wonders if there's been any drilling or blasting or something because she's been detecting some strange readings. Um, Earl tries to be a real good wingman and uh, get Val with Rhonda, but uh, Val isn't interested on account that she is not one of them bimbos. They get they, they head back to town. Um, we were introduced to a, a slew of characters, including Melvin. <laughs> hey, Amongst face. others, there's, there's Melvin. Melvin. <laughs> um we meet our Melvin for the movie. <laughs> uh, the uh, we, we, we learn that Val and Earl are unhappy with their lot in life and uh, the hard, unrewarding work that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last straw is when their septic pump malfunctions and sprays them with sewage. Um, so they, they pack up, they begin leaving, and they're stopped by Nancy Sterngood, 
who's played by Charlotte Richards, uh, who tries to tempt them into staying for a little longer, but they refuse. Um, Nancy's daughter, Mindy, is played by Ariana Richards, who would later play, go on to play Lexi in Jurassic Park. I did not know that. And once you know that, it's like, oh, yeah. it's totally obvious, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so She knows this movie. It's Linux. <laughs> Um, on their way out, though, they see a man sitting in the upper levels of an electrical tower. Uh, they identify him as Edgar Deems, a local drunk. Uh, they head up to retrieve him, but he is dead and clutching a Winchester rifle um, in a pretty harrowing scene. Um, mm-hmm. Val and Earl take Edgar to Dr. Jim Wallace, who's busy building a new home in perfection with his wife. Uh, Dr. Wallace determines that he died of dehydration. So these are the... The two that are not part of the population of, right. <laughs> of perfection. The already dwindling population. Yeah. Um, We're down to 13 now. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, a farmer named Old Fred. <laughs> that's <laughs> the only credit that I could find. He is just Old Fred. Uh, he's tending to his field of dirt when he notices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at that. You tell it's me there dirt. are crops he's growing. A dirt farmer. <laughs> uh, he notices that his sheep are going crazy and suddenly he's pulled underground. Yep. And we're down we're to 12 We're down to 12. <laughs> um, evidently... It's a good movie to, to teach a kid, like, backwards counting. <laughs> Countdown. That's how you should... That's how you should have taught Sonya how to yep. how to math. Yep. Yeah, that's like, Sonya. Okay, okay. okay Sonya, if you have 14 people in perfection, and two of them get eaten by Screamy Worm, how many do you have left? <laughs> well, are the doctor and his wife there? Yeah, something else. No, uh, shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They don't count, <laughs> and neither does the grad student. Um, evidently, there's a cut opening scene where Edgar and Fred are old friends and are meeting up to trade livestock, um, but Edgar's prized donkey, Justine, is eaten by one of the worms. Ah. Um, the scene was cut because the studio thought it would, was both too boring and also kind of revealed the Graboid mystery a little too soon. Mm-hmm. Um I don't remember if I have it in my notes later on or not, because it's been like three weeks since I wrote these, but um, evidently the uh, the movie was cut originally very, very differently. Well, not even cut, but uh, intended differently. The uh, The scene with Fred and the scene with... Uh, well, Edgar was, was meant to be in there, but the scene mm-hmm. with Fred getting sucked under the ground wasn't originally intended to be there as well. Okay. Uh, they also didn't have like the... Uh, "Quote unquote graboid vision of you know the, oh the when thing, it the, attacks Rhonda's car yeah like right yeah. in the beginning yeah they the evil dead vision car yeah they didn't want to have any of that because the filmmakers originally wanted this to be kind of a mystery as to what was actually happening okay and they wanted audiences to actually wonder like is it a serial killer like Val and Earl eventually come to the conclusion of right um they wanted it to be a mystery and then that way when the reveal of oh god underground worms it was a lot more shocking um which. Honestly, I think would have been a really cool... It, it would have been interesting, if, but they would have completely had to change, like, the marketing of the movie. Well, that's the problem. And probably its title. The the move, Yeah, the title, the marketing, everything about yeah. the movie would have had to, like, change. And, and it, I mean, that's kind of the, the problem if you ever do want... Like, movies can't do that surprise, like, mm-hmm. oh, this is what it's actually about. Because you need to attract the right audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, very hard to do that sort of thing. But thinking about this in a vacuum where you're just watching this movie completely blind, like, that would have been a really, really cool delivery. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I, like to envision the universe of that being a possibility. But, yeah. Um, uh, apparently, another cut of the original script evidently included a 15th resident. Okay. Who's our 15th resident? Is it the alien from Alien? <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, it was a Viola. 
Viola was a mean and cranky old lady who had a Rottweiler that barked constantly, and she was supposed to die in the first attack, but she was later cut for unknown reasons. Okay. So she was also supposed to be amongst these build-up characters that get eaten before the movie gets going. So, um, Val and Earl discuss what happened while driving through a pass uh, that has some like kind of road construction going uh-huh. on. Um, that's where they're talking about, uh, you know, like, what the hell was Edgar running from? Who's scared of a Winchester rifle? And, and again, it's that, like, oh, this really could have been a cool mystery that, I, I don't know, if again, if I was watching this blind, I would have been hooked at that point. Like, <laughs> oh, this is cool. Um, but they, uh, they also pe- then pass by the farm and see Fred's livestock laying in shreds. Um, just completely wrecked. Yep, just completely, just bits and pieces of sheep everywhere. <laughs> Uh, they end up finding Fred's head and head back to town in a hurry. Um, they keep trying to leave town, but running into dead people. Yep, yep. Um, and we get some more very memorable lines. Like, I, I love <laughs> I love uh, Kevin Bacon's delivery of... Oh, Jesus! What the hell's going on? I mean, what the hell is going on? I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they... they they're driving back frantic because now they're pretty convinced that there is a serial killer out, like cutting yeah, his they, heads off. Yeah, they definitely know that something funky's going on. Yeah, and uh, they, they even warn the construction workers there that there's a killer on the loose. You know, he's yeah. cutting people's heads off, and um, the workers blow them off and continue working. <laughs> and then we find out that the ground is full of raspberry jam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they jackhammer into something, and it oozes before taking off with the jackhammer. Uh, they end up dragging one of the men up to his death and burying another under rubble that covers the road. Mm-hmm. So now trapping everybody in there. but In the valley, yep. In the valley. Um, and it's another one of those things where I love the framing device of them trying to leave and having to come back and yeah, passing yeah. this over and over again, and then suddenly, oops, it's, it's, it's really funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Val and Earl arrive back at town and head to Walter's shop, uh, the only shop in town. And I don't believe I couldn't find a name of it other than Walter's shop. Yeah, I don't think it actually has a name other than just the shop. I'm relatively positive in subsequent in the subsequent sequels they name it, but yeah, I could see that. Um, but uh, we find Miguel uh, complaining about his cattle, kind of giving him more hints as to something mm-hmm. is going on. He's like, "There's something. Like, I don't know what happened. They're missing. I'm not accusing anybody." Um, Val and Earl try to call out for help, but Walter's phone is dead. Uh, so the pair decide to head out to Bigsby, the nearest town, in order to get help. Uh, Walter Chang, the owner of Walter's shop, was actually originally supposed to be a Vietnamese man named Pam Van. Okay. Uh, until the role was given to Victor Wong, who specifically requested that Walter's last name be Chang. I okay. Just, I thought that was interesting. So they completely changed the characters. I mean, obvious, obviously there's ethnicity, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> and... and uh, but they even changed his name based off of the actor's request. So huh. that's interesting. Um, they they are, of course, stopped by the rubble on the road to do, and discover the dead workers. And in their haste to leave, they back up into a ditch and seemingly get hung up on something. Uh, but Val stubbornly drives off. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and, and while Earl is chastising him, uh... <laughs> Bacon gives another really good <laughs> the lion read. Could you shut up? The duo arrive back at Walter's again. <laughs> and They're ex- burning so much gas. I <laughs> <laughs> know, right? Uh, it's not going to matter very long. No, it's really not. Uh, but they, they make it back to Walter's again and explain that the road is out. Um, but they're, uh, they're kind of cut off as Mindy notices a huge snake-like creature attached to their axle. 
Uh, Bert Gummer, who's played by Michael Gross, removes it with a shovel and remarks that it must be pretty strong. I have here pretty <laughs> pretty strong. <tong>. Tong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but he remarks that it must be pretty strong in order to stall out their truck. Uh, he also determines that there must be more of them because not only one of them could not have eaten Fred and his entire flock of sheep. Yeah. So uh, we get that that furthering mystery, that build that is completely ruined by everything, but. Although, at the same time, I do remember watching this movie, and, and, and at least they were able to preserve some sort of, like, mystery and suspense, because when you see the little worm attached to the uh-huh. truck, you're thinking, oh, that's it. That's the monster, so, yeah. Yep. Um, Gross, uh, Michael Gross, also played uh, Stephen Keaton in Family Ties, and apparently started his role as Burt Gummer within a day of the former's rap party. Yeah. Like, Burt Gummer is one of those characters where, like... When I was growing up and watching the movie a bunch on sci-fi and whatever, like, I he was always like, oh, it's Bert. He's really funny. He's, he's cool. He's the hero. He's the guy who knows what's going on. Now it's like, I know so many Bert Gummers. I know how they vote. <laughs> I'm not saying anything, but I'm saying there's a non-zero chance that Bert Gummer was at the Capitol building last uh, year at on January 6th. <laughs> That's... That's them some strong words, Chris. I'm not saying it, but uh, I'm saying. Yeah, I, I I have no evidence to back that up. I I will come to Bert's defense in that, like, I don't know. In the movie, he does seem pretty anti-government. He he yeah. seems incredibly liberal in this because he's like, we 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 moved to perfection for complete isolation. Mm-hmm. You know, I just like, I don't know. He he reminds I he reminds but me I so could... much of my uncle who is going into that crazy like. Oh, I have to isolate myself. Here's my million guns and my fence and my bunker. No, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Like it wouldn't. I could easily see Bert walking around with a MAGA hat. Right. Like I get you. I get you. So it really kind of know. puts that character in a in a different flavor. It anymore. really does, and it's too bad because growing up, I loved this yeah. character, and he's even better in the second film. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And you know, he's the star in everyone after that. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, especially it, in this first movie, like yeah, it's it's Bert, a hard. He does to have swallow. his bunker and like all that stuff. It's like yeah, I know Burt Gummers. I yeah, they scare me. <laughs> it's a hard pill to swallow, but uh, I mean, rest assured. In I guess if you can take solace in the in the fact, and this will give you some insight as to the uh, the fifth movie on. Uh-huh. Uh, in the fifth movie, you get to watch a lion pee on him. Okay, so anyway, I'm glad um, I stopped watching. <laughs> We'll probably cover it at some I, yeah, point. I, depending on how long this podcast lasts, man. There's some of these that we, we say that we'll get to, like, we're oh, yeah, we're going to get to Anaconda 5. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there's nobody stopping us from these podcasts. I, that's so. what I'm afraid of. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, um, uh, Walter buys the snake from them for 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. Which There's is, a lot of like real small moments and character yeah. interactions that I just adore. And like my, my favorite thing about the... About that is how pissed Val and Earl are about not getting more money. For <laughs> right, like that keeps coming up. They're like, "Oh, we could have got fifty bucks from." <laughs> yeah, well, they're it's it's great because like they're upset because they sell it to him for fifteen bucks, right. and then he turns around and makes a business out of it. He's right, right, you know, selling photos and stuff, and it's like, "Oh man, they're they're all upset about it." But I'm like, "Dude, his customer base is the fourteen people right. that live in town. Twelve like, people now." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, come on, really? How yeah. how lucrative could that be? 
I don't imagine there's a lot of pass-through traffic right, in, yeah, per, the, in perfection. Perfection does not have a lot of tourism. Right. Yet. Yet. <laughs> Which is kind of the plot of the third movie. Right. Anyway, um, Bert's wife, Heather, is played by Reba McIntyre, of yep. course. Uh, and this is her very first acting role. Um, Underwood was uninterested in casting her at first because he was pretty sick of non-acting celebrities landing mm-hmm. acting roles and saw it as really gimmicky. Um, but after he saw her audition, he changed his tune and cast her immediately. He was yeah. just like, she's perfect. She, she's really good in this movie. She is. She is incredible. And, and uh, she sings the song over the ending credits. <laughs> the ending credits and during uh, the, the scene with the doc and his wife um, coming up. Uh, where they're when the, when the, when his wife is hiding mm-hmm. in the station wagon and actually turns on the radio, right? Another one of Reba McIntyre yeah, yeah. songs plays there too. Um, and speaking of, we cut to that scene where Doctor Wallace and Megan, his wife, are finishing up work for the evening, and when their generator mysteriously vanishes, <laughs> and when they go to investigate, it's kind of shot out of the ground, and Wallace is sucked down. Um, Megan tries to recover him and finds one of the snakehead things. Uh, she freaks out, rushes to the car, and hides inside where it is, of course, drug into the ground. Yeah, it's a it's a kind of a spooky scene, honestly. Where it, it is, and it was actually intended to be much longer and more visceral. Okay. Apparently, the effect that they used to sink the car, which is uh, using some science of uh, the vermiculite, which is an it's an earthy, dirt-like <laughs> substance, but it kept hardening too fast, so ah. they had to use some clever editing and cuts to make the scene work. Right. So, but it's still pretty. No, it's it's very effective for yeah. what it is. Watching her get dragged under the car, get dragged under the earth, and those worms just blap 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 splatting yep. all over it. Um, and one other thing that's brought up in this scene that I I really enjoy about this movie, and it's not something that I am consciously aware of other movies doing, mm-hmm. in that the characters keep mentioning the smell that these things have. Yeah, yeah. Like the 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 graboids are apparently very very smelly creatures, and. They they always mention it, and that is something that has stuck with me, like mm-hmm. because it's it's consistently used. I mean, I think in other horror movies they might be like, oh god, and then cover their mouth. Yeah, it's not exaggerated. It's just like, wow, this smells really terrible. Yeah, they just mention <laughs> it, but they do it so consistently. It's just like, oh okay, you know, uh-huh. the doctor here is just like, oh, it's a geyser. They smell like that. They stink like that. You know, yeah, sulfuric. They have, they have a very sulfuric smell. Yeah, and. You know, later on, you know, they're like, oh, does it smell like it? Because it's dead. And it's like, it, yeah, they just drive that home. And it's just like, good. I appreciate the it's, small details. There's a lot, like a lot of world building with these things mm-hmm. that is really cool. Right. Like just from the way they work and everything about them to and their biology, how they smell, like where they theorize these things come from. Like they've been here forever or maybe they're. Aliens. Aliens. Maybe they're a government experiment. Like, who knows? Which is another thing that they wanted in this movie is that they didn't want the explanation to be there. They wanted that mystery, which I personally think is something that is sorely missing in a lot of modern sci-fi Yeah, you don't need to explain absolutely everything. Yeah. Unless that is the story. Yeah. Like, if the story is, like, not the monster, but where the monster comes from, you know? Right. Like, that's one thing. But if you're just shoehorning origins into... The movies, that's how you end up with, like, Alien Covenant. Right. So. Um, I'll defend parts of Prometheus. <laughs> There's parts of Prometheus I really dig. But, like, you don't need to explain absolutely everything. Right. Um, so, back at the uh, at Walter's shop, the townspeople are all discussing what to do. Um, they're, they're completely cut off from help. Uh, Miguel decides to send Val and Earl on horseback to Bigsby for help. 
um, because that's pretty much the only way that they're Mm going to get out at this point. Um, The the pair saddle up, and uh, they head out, eventually swinging by Doc's house on their way out and discover the buried station wagon. Don't they hear the radio underground? They hear hear gold nollies. They hear the goddamn gold nollies. Um, And, yeah, they, they discover the station wagon. And at this point, they're just baffled that these... Little worm things would bury a station wagon. Mm-hmm. They don't know why. They don't know what's going on. So they're like, "Look, we're gonna get out of here as fast as possible." Um, so they're, they're racing off, racing off. Uh, but along the way, all of a sudden, the horses start freaking out, and of course, they're attacked by these yeah, worms. Yeah. Um. And then uh, to to achieve the scene where the horse is tangled up in the worms. Uh, the horse was trained to lay down. Okay. Uh, a vet sedated it, and they wrapped it in fake tendrils for the shot. Okay. Uh, there was an American Humane Society representative uh, present to ensure that the horse was not in distress during the process. That's good, because I was really worried that that horse got injured or was... Right? Yeah. Yeah, no, you, you see the scene, and it, that, like... The horse as an like, As an adult, yeah. like, that's your, that's your reaction. It's like, I, I don't, like... I don't like horses, but... I don't want one to be injured for the sake of... A movie. Of, of, of like, big underground snaky movie. Right. Yeah, no. Animal... We, like, we, horses are very mistreated animals in the first place. Agreed. So it's, like... I, I don't want one, like, hurt or, like, even disturbed for something stupid like a movie. Or distressed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So no. that that's really reassuring. I'm glad. Yeah, we, we do not support animal cruelty. No. Here even, even animals we don't really care for. Yep. <laughs> Horses, they freak me out. <laughs> um, yeah. Val shoots one of the snakes in the head, and suddenly the ground bursts open to reveal that there are actually just the tongues uh-huh. of a much larger creature. This and... is is such a cool reveal. Mm-hmm. Like what? It's it's really neat. Like I, I remember watching this and being like, ah, as a yeah, kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's oh, it's so cool. I love Look it. Look at that thing. Yep. Um, and, uh, we get our, our first reveal. Yeah. Um, it chases Val and Earl along a fence mm-hmm. and into a concrete line ditch where it brains itself trying to catch them. Yeah. Um, Val gives his one and only F-bomb of the movie. We killed him. We killed it. Fuck you! <laughs> um, and then suddenly Rhonda shows up. And together, the three of them dig up the whole monster. And let's talk about that monster. Yeah, for yeah, a yeah. It's worth it's worth talking about because mm-hmm. that, it's a beaut. <laughs> it's a it's a classic monster at yeah. this point. Uh, the monsters were designed by Algamated uh, Dynamics. Um, evidently, one of the concepts for the creatures gave it an outer shell that would retract to reveal a slimier inner worm. But the idea was scrapped because foreskin. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, evidently they, they like showed that to some of the team and the team started giggling and they were like, oh, crashing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good move. Good move, yeah. Um, another early concept gave the worms the ability to mimic sounds Ooh. so that they could lure in unsuspecting prey. Uh, this idea was scrapped because the writers figured it was just too much. Like, these things have enough powers as it is. Yeah, you don't need to put a hat on a hat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but speaking of the sounds... Um, the sounds that the Graboids make have been actually reused in a bunch of other movies, including Predator 2. Okay. Starship Troopers. Okay. Ants. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I have to... Ref- <laughs> like... <laughs> 
I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. That's what I was told. <laughs> the, the two starring people for Ants, Woody Allen and DeGraboid. <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> like, the Graboid's the least offensive of the two. <laughs> um, other movies, uh, Mosquito, okay. uh, Eight-Legged Freaks, and more recently, Kong Skull Island. So yeah, they use these sounds a lot in other movies, right. which I never picked up on. No. And now I'm going to be listening for them yeah, every time they, I watch Yeah, because they have the a, a very distinct sound. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think I, I've seen all of those movies, except for Mosquito. Like, I don't know what that is. I'm assuming it's Good, I'm, about the, a I was, I'm not the only one then. Yeah. And, like, I honestly don't recognize it in any of those, especially Ants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to like, tell maybe you. Maybe it's the... Is, is it... Because those movies came out exactly the same time. Is it Ants or A Bug's Life that has the bird? Bugs Life features the bird. I, I do not remember enough about ants to to yeah. say anything about it other than Woody Allen. Like, yeah, Woody Allen and the ants having like really human faces and it being kind of creepy. If inten- intensely creepy. Yeah, but I I I I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I could not tell you because um, like, I, I, I thought maybe it was like the sound the bird makes. No, but that's in, that's Bugs, in Life. Bugs Life. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't so. fucking know. <laughs> I, I ain't watching that movie again to find out. <laughs> I'll do it. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> I don't care. Um, <laughs> the only thing I really remember about that movie is we used to routinely take vacations up to Denver when I was a kid and go to like the museum and the zoo and stuff like that up there. Yeah. And like the year that movie came out on VHS, we stayed in a hotel and I would have been, I don't know, 13, 14, something like that. And the hotel room had a, a VCR. And it was like the first time we were in a hotel room that had a VCR. And we were like, fuck yeah, VCR. <laughs> So we ran over to uh, the Target that was by our hotel, and we were like, okay, uh, let's pick up a movie to watch. And we're like, okay, Ants, we can watch that because, you know, there's there's Chris, and they're 13 or 14, and then there's uh, Chris's brother, and they're, I don't know, like two or three. Yeah, fuck it, Ants, that's a good movie to watch for this sort of thing. And VHSs were very expensive, like when they first came out, so they were like... I don't know, 25 bucks for us to pick up the fucking Ants movie to watch in a hotel room. <laughs> and that's my story about Ants. Yeah. And I think that's the only time I've ever watched it. <laughs> I've only watched it once, and I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. <laughs> so you made the bad choice when it came to those two movies. <laughs> Dude, I was like 12 or 13. Yeah. I had no idea or control over that. <laughs> so <laughs> No, it's your fault. <laughs> you did that. <laughs> But um, I blame you for Woody Allen, Matt. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm extrapolating from this conversation. <laughs> Damn. Okay. <laughs> 14-year-old Matt was responsible for Woody Allen. <laughs> if, there's, if there's even a shred of truth to that, then, oh, God, I owe a lot of people an apology. <laughs> You're history's greatest monster. <laughs> oh, man. So... um. Yeah, so those those are the like little trivia bits that I have about right. the design of the monster. Did you have anything you wanted to add? I just think it's really cool and big and squishy, mm-hmm. and I like it. It is. It is. Um, in order to get the the effect of them uh, digging it up, they had to build the entire worm. Right. Dig a trench, put it in, bury it, right, and then dig it again. <laughs> it, it's a lot of work, but yeah, I can I can see that it's effective. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like one of the things I don't really get from the movie is there's that long concrete ditch. Why don't they go back to it? I don't know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like that would have been a decent place to like at least hide and figure shit out. Well, I I think it was probably a, uh, 
kind of a one-off thing. Uh, okay. I mean, this thing killed itself against this yeah. this wall. Maybe it just hit it at the right angle because uh, later we see one burst through an entire basement yeah. wall with no problem. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> it hit his weak point on yeah. the wall. <laughs> you know, maybe this is just the weak one. <laughs> Uh, Rhonda examines the creature and determines quite a bit about it, including its method of locomotion, sensory detection, a, a bunch about it, and mm-hmm. a lot of the scientific things. More of the, the like like we were saying, the feasibly exist kind of things. Um, she also deduces that there are three more, according to her seismic readings, since they're positioned all over the place. Right. And, um, it's lucky they had a seismologist. Yeah. Like, if, if they would have had, I don't know, an entomologist or something, like... <laughs> <laughs> they would have been like, oh, fuck, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> but I can, it's not a bug. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's something else. <laughs> <laughs> that there ain't a bug. That's not a bug. That no is bug. something else. <laughs> it got no legs. I deal with things that have more legs. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Or like a volcanologist or something. <laughs> like, I'm studying old vo- volcanic activity in this valley. And right. like, oh, God, I am way over my head. <laughs> That's not a volcano. <laughs> That's not a volcano. <laughs> It's got as many legs as a volcano. <laughs> That's when the similarities end. <laughs> yeah. I am Audi. I am... I don't even know, man. <laughs> if it ain't got no lava, I ain't got no lover. <laughs> um, <laughs> Armed with this knowledge, the... Uh, uh, the trio uh, decide to head over to Rhonda's work area to get her truck. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and and Earl steps in a prairie dog burrow. Yep. Another quote that my wife and I frequently <laughs> shoot at each other. Well, that, that's one of those things where, like, that's very relevant to our area. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. There's more prairie dogs than people here. <laughs> it's just it's just great. Anytime like, we, when we trip, it's just ugh. Damn prairie dog burrow. That's great. Anyway, um, so as they approach, uh, another worm attacks, and they retreat to a nearby boulder where the creature can't reach them. Uh, We also find that it is the creature that specifically grabbed their truck. Yeah, because it's missing a tongue. Yep, it's missing a tongue. They they nickname it Stumpy. (laughs) Um, They end up staying the night up on the rock, only discovered that Stumpy didn't lose interest overnight. Yeah, these things are pretty tenacious. Yep, and that kind of explains why Edgar died on the tower. Yep. So these creatures will hang out for the meal uh, until the meal dies. And probably long after that. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. While Val and Earl argue about what to do, Rhonda comes up with a plan to pole vault from uh, one boulder to another in order to get to her truck. Mm -hmm. A lot of convenient things here. (laughs) Very. Like, what were those pipes? Like, did they ever say what those were from? Nope. Okay. No, it was just, just random pipes yeah. or poles that are just kind of nearby and i i it's did a good thing they, it's a good thing they ran to the boulder that was in the line of boulders next right to, next to the yeah. truck that she conveniently parked there like yeah these guys are lucky <laughs> earl does fail his initial quick time event though i noticed that <laughs> yeah he does like there this movie inspired so much shit from video games like just the whole like ground sensing monsters mm. and like oh it's a convenient trail of platforming that we have to do to avoid the monster <laughs> yeah. yeah gotta do a quick time event to not fall off your pole yep yep fortunately they succeed all the other quick time events yeah yeah um, they do it pretty easy and they're, they're really goofy music plays yep <laughs> it's like summer camp music and then um, there's that one shot of them like against the sunset like pole vaulting all at the same yep. time and it's like okay this is <laughs> 
No, it, 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 it it's charmingly it's, goofy. It's it, it is. It's a, it's a moment of levity that that is is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then once they hit the truck, uh, Stumpy attacks and uh, Val succeeds his <laughs> quick time event and punches one of its stones. Yeah. <laughs> he parries yep. successfully. Uh, and they escape. Uh, they they end up making it back to Walter's shop to deliver the news of what they've learned. And at fall, at first, Walter and Nestor, uh, Nestor being one of the other residents, yeah. who was just there. Who's just there and kind of a shit. Yep. Uh, they harass Rhonda for not having all the answers. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> Which is, again, hilarious to me. Um, hey, Rhonda, what's the name you call those things? Where did they come from? Huh? I don't know. You're a scientist, aren't you? Yeah, aren't you supposed to have a theory or something? Look, these creatures are absolutely unprecedented. Yeah, but where do they come from? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I love, I I adore that scene. I, I I adore a lot of scenes. It's really (laughs) funny. Um, But it it just comes back to the point where like, you got the one type of scientist who could tell you anything about these. She's telling you what she's got, which is that like, there's more than one of them. There's at least three of them. They hunt by sound. They hunt by sound. vibration. Yeah. It's like she's managed to extrapolate a lot of information about these things based off of her, her field of science. You got super lucky that you got that, man. <laughs> if you would have had that poor volcanologist, you would not know anything. Yep. <laughs> but again, it's it's also one of those like uneducated small town hicks. Like right. this is exactly how they would treat somebody yeah, in yeah. this situation. Okay, you're a scientist, you know all of the science. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell us everything we need to know. <laughs> it's like in, in other movies where like uh they will have a character whose field of science is science. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they can do they're just like all colleges, all degrees, like they know everything about everything. If it's about science, they know it. Yeah, yeah, and it's like no, like you, you have a specialty, like you, you know certain things. Like you, you're a biologist, you're a, a seismologist, you're a geologist, you're a volcanologist. <laughs> like you're, you're not just science man, man of science. <laughs> uh, through this, they do eventually decide that they are the first ones to ever encounter these things. Yeah, which ends and, up being not true. And th- <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, it, these guys wrote that movie. They yeah, know it's, no, not, it's true. It's, they will eventually know it's not true. As fun as the other movies are, it does kind of throw a lot of the yeah. wrenches in the works. But like what the can the, the canon such as it is <laughs> of the of the Tremors movies is very loosey goosey. Yeah, um, but uh, they they determine that they should be the ones to name these yep. things. Um, Mel- Walter and Melvin spitball some ideas for names. Uh, <laughs> Some of them, some of them that are thrown out are well. I guess the only two that are thrown out, yeah, suckoids and snakeoids, because they, they like the the suffix oid. Yeah, Walter's all about oid. Oid. <laughs> Wasn't that the uh, the Billy Bumbler from uh, the Dark Tower series? Oid. <laughs> no, that's oid. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're close. <laughs> I was close. I was then spitting distance yeah. there. Yeah, I'm coming for you, little Stevie King. Um, Nancy thinks that they should wait it out until someone notices that the road is out and send help because that's just, you know, that's how th- that things work. Right. But oops, they're dead already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These, the, the, uh, inspection crew was murdered <laughs> off camera. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we just see their helmet and viscera. <laughs> so we can, we can kind of assume what happened there. We can, we can put together a story. <laughs> um, Val has a very exaggerated freak out about not sitting around and waiting. Maybe they won't even come to here. Maybe they'll leave us alone. Chainsaw. That's what I'll use. Hey, 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 wake up! Now look! Ah. 
You see, they're headed right for us. Look, they trapped Edgar here, grabbed old Fred right here, nailed those two poor suckers on the road, and the doctor's place is right here. Now, this valley is just one long smorgasbord. We have got to get out. Kevin Bacon is very good. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I notice he's, like, just the way his hair is styled in this movie, he's got a great big forehead. <laughs> And when, when tension is the highest, uh, Walter finally comes up with the name Graboids. Yeah. Um, we don't actually learn that this is the name that sticks until the next movie, uh-huh. which is another thing that I like about this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're just those weird things. Yeah, and they're then... just, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, they're the Tremors. Yeah, that, like that is 100% what I thought they were called when I was a kid. Yep. Well, that's because that at the time, that's in the era when the movie was named after the monster. Right, right. So... Because this is the last name that he came up with before his death, they, it implies that they named they named them in honor of him, which I, I always kind of like. The Walter them. Memorial Graboid. Yeah. <laughs> um, Melvin cries wolf because he's Melvin. Oh God, I hate that kid. And then... <laughs> and I hate get, that fucking kid so much. And you can hate him in the rest of the movies. Yeah, I know. in the third movie. And, uh, and in the series. And in the series, I see. I've still not ever seen the series. I, I've seen most of the series. I've heard um, a lot of good things. It's it's really good. Has jack shit to do with tremors, but <laughs> it, it's like a monster of the week show, like right. a comedic monster of the week show. Christopher Lloyd is really good in it, and yeah, Melvin is like I think the only reoccurring character from the movies, other I, than Burt Gummer. Other than Burt, yeah, like, Burt Gummer's in everyone. So. Yeah, yeah. And like it's a good series. I still don't like Melvin. Well, no, you're not supposed to. <laughs> no, he's, he's a fuck. He's a he's a pizza face. Uh, <laughs> Speaking as a former pizza face, shut up. <laughs> Speaking as a former pizza face, okay. Um, <laughs> we are all fucks. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, he uh, he cries wolf, and then a graboid takes his basketball. Oh man, my basketball. <laughs> Earl heads out to teach him a lesson until they find him up a pole and they suddenly realize what's going on and, mm-hmm. and they retreat back inside as the graboid attacks. Uh, they all hush up and try not to draw its attention, but then they hear <laughs> Mindy on her pogo stick outside. And her Walkman, so she can't hear them. Oh yep. God, she can't hear us. <laughs> <laughs> yep, she's she's out there on her pogo stick. Uh, Val rushes to save her and the worm takes the pogo stick. <laughs> it gives it back though. It, it does. Good for it. Um, a second monster shows up, and Rhonda trips in some barbed wire while trying to get away, and Val is forced to save her, too, uh, using a pickaxe and some hasty pants removal. Yeah, that doesn't seem like the most convenient way to do that, to pull the pants over the shoes, but... I mean, when you're in a hurry, yeah. I guess. I, I'm just, I'm just thinking, know. like, I can't pull my pants off over my shoes. They're too tight. Yeah. But um, while patching Rhonda up inside Walter's shop, uh, the generator kicks on and it attracts the Graboid again, um, which bursts through the floor and eats Walter and knocks Rhonda out of a window as the rest mm-hmm. of uh, the people, the rest of the people, uh, retreat to the roof. And Rhonda is forced to climb the neighboring water tower. Um, after climbing to safety, they alert everybody else in the town to get to higher ground. Yep. Uh, they contact Bert and Heather, who live too far away via radio. Uh, who are currently in the basement, uh, Heather starts up a case polisher uh, because that's, you know... I mean, it, it's funny because it's it's one of the... Um, what is it? Dramatic irony where it's like the the play... The characters clearly don't... No, not dramatic, dramatic, dramatic I, irony. I don't, I don't know what you're trying to say. Oh, God. I don't know what the term is called, but but where the audience knows something the characters don't. Oh, right, right, right. Um, but yeah, it's it's just funny. It's because it's like you see that happening. It's like, you're an idiot. Why are you doing that? And then you have to remind yourself, like, no, they don't. They literally they don't, know. don't know. Yeah. But um, 
But yeah, it attracts one of the Graboids, um, and due in part to Val's panic, Bert's misunderstanding, and kind of a poor connection, uh, they aren't able to retreat in time before the monster bursts, bursts through their wall and yeah, attacks. just goes right through that mm-hmm. center block wall. Uh, they unload an awful lot of munitions into it before finally killing it with an elephant gun. This scene was made by cleverly stitching together a miniature set of the basement mm-hmm. and a Graboid hand puppet. That's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, evidently, one of the miniatures uh, was of a stool, and it was so intricate that the props department specifically requested that it not be damaged in this scene. That's funny. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 it, put it as far away from the wall as possible, please. We love this stool. <laughs> <laughs> this is our stool. Um, but it kind of takes kind of the like a little bit of the the menace out of the graboids when you find out that one was like the size of your fist. Yeah, but yeah, and then they you know they they celebrate. Uh, we get we get a good line, a good uh, eighty yard line in. Yeah, um, and and talking about speaking of that, uh, originally the film had as many as twenty f bombs. <laughs> That's um, funny, but they were almost all cut or dubbed over to push the MPAA reading uh, from R to PG thirteen. Right, um, and this is the scene that always comes to my mind whenever I think of that bit of trivia. Yeah. Earl wants to send Bert and Heather for help, but they discover that the remaining Graboids are getting smarter yeah. and are trying to figure the buildings... They're, they're trying to figure out the buildings that they're on. It, it's another really cool world-building thing, just watching these big creatures, these blind creatures, because we know that they're blind at this point, mm-hmm. just kind of, like, flailing with those tentacles, trying to figure out, like, okay, what's the size of this thing? Like, how does it move? Can I knock it down? It's yeah, like, kind of like a toddler yeah, figuring stuff out. It, or just a smart animal. They're, right. They're, you're watching them, like, feel around on the building's corners and the edges. Yeah. They're learning. Well, I'd say toddlers are pretty smart animals. <laughs> <laughs> One of them tips over the trailer that Nestor is on, uh, who is then swiftly eaten due in part to a gross misunderstanding of how these things actually work. Yeah. You know, they like, get off the ground, and he's like, oh, the floor is lava, and he hops into a tire, and he's... <laughs> like, that's not... Okay. <laughs> okay, good, I'm safe. Loop. <laughs> And just pulls him to the fucking tire. <laughs> yeah. And uh, due to this scene growing up, and for the longest time, I always thought that Nestor was supposed to be Melvin's dad. Uh, because, you know, immediately after he gets sucked up, it zooms in on Melvin, who starts freaking out. And he's like, oh, yeah, you gotta do something, you know. Um, but evidently he's not. And uh, from what I read, uh, the speculation is that parent, th- Melvin's parents are supposed to be out of town theoretically in Vegas. They just left him, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. They, they just left they that left him fucker behind. there. I would have. Yeah. <laughs> Val and Earl quickly come up with a new plan uh, to utilize the bulldozer tractor to drag a trailer behind it and tank their way yeah, to the mountains. Yeah. It's because, when you get frustrated in the video game and you're just like, okay, I'm going to pump all of my points into and just like armor and just yeah. <laughs> bulldoze this shit. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because the, the worms won't be able to follow up into the mountains because they're granite and mm-hmm. they can't tunnel through rock. Um, in order to get to the bulldozer, however, uh, they decide to set Walter's little mini tractor up uh, to run as a distraction. Um, Earl and Val play rock, paper, scissors, which is a reoccurring theme in both the, this and the second uh-huh. movie, uh, to, ter- to, to kind of determine who gets to go. Uh, but despite Earl winning and deciding to run, Val hits him and takes off instead. Uh, halfway there, the tractor hits a ditch and overturns, uh, forcing Val to kind of just stop and freeze in place to uh-huh. hopefully not get eight. Uh, everybody begins making a lot of noise to try to, try to distract the worm. Um, you can hear Melvin calling them snakeoids here, because yeah. oh. apparently Melvin wanted that to stick. Well, he's a shit. <laughs> he didn't respect <laughs> Walter's sacrifice. <laughs> but uh, Rhonda ends up kicking open a pipeline off of the water tower, and it works. 
uh, to Val is able to run to the bulldozer, get it working, hook the trailer up, and get everybody loaded on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut to Bert and Heather making pipe bombs <laughs> by the time they're picked up. They all pile into the tractor and start heading off to the mountains, and for a time it seems to be working. Um, but only as long as they don't st- sit still for too long. Apparently whenever they stop, the, the graboids yeah, start to learn yeah. what's going on. So they start sucking down the bulldozer. Um, and then suddenly they di- drive into a huge trench trap that the worms dug, which ruins the bulldozer. And just, like, kind of really underlines how smart these things are. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're smart enough to build traps. Yep. They've got basic intelligence, at least enough. Uh, they've got intelligence uh, equivalents of at least a cobalt. Serana so comes up with an idea to throw the bombs in the direction that they want to run. Uh, because the explosions seem to hurt the graboids. They're just yeah. too... The concussive blast is too loud. Oh, well, I imagine so it kind of, de- like, deafens them, I guess you'd say. Like, yeah. Like, jars their senses. Yep. Um, using this plan, they make their way to a rock where many consign themselves to die of thirst. Yep. Um, or exposure or whatever yep. else happens to them. Bert ends up making a morbid comment about using himself as live bait, which gives Earl the idea to go fishing with the bombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use this method to kill one of the remaining worms, but the second one, Stumpy, is too smart, and yeah. it spits the bomb back at them. These things learn. Like, it yeah. is wild. Like, yep. they're they're very intelligent for animals. Yeah. Like, they, they, they're chimpanzees, basically. Yeah. It's, it's another cool scene, too, because they're like, everybody ducks down, like, ready to explode, yeah. then... Blah, just shoots up in the air and, and lands, lands, like, right next to them. <laughs> it lands on the bag of other bombs. Mm-hmm. Um... And it, it ends up scattering uh, Val, Earl, and Rhonda. Uh, everybody else is able to get back on the rock real quick, but Val, Earl, and Rhonda make, are, are too far out. Uh-huh. Um, the rest of them try to distract Stumpy again so that the trio can make it back to the rock. And uh, they, they suddenly realize that Stumpy is, is still too smart and isn't going to fall for this again. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they start wanting Val to use the last bomb that he has to scare it away long enough for them to get to the rock. Um, there's a, a brief quiet debate about, like, you know, starving to death or just dying there. Um, But Val realizes that they're currently at where the movie began and are next to a cliff. So he ends up running straight towards the cliff, throwing the bomb back behind himself, which scares Stumpy Uh over the cliff, and it is subsequently killed. The movie was originally composed completely by Ernest Troost, uh, and that is the westerny country sounding score mm-hmm. that we hear much in the first half of the movie. Um, but later, uh, Robert Folk was brought in to rescore more than 30 minutes of music to give the movie more of a kind of a kick. Yeah. Um, this is where the more sweeping epic music mostly heard in the finale is. Uh, and Folk is actually uncredited in the credits of the movie. That's a shame. Mm-hmm. Val ends up getting together with Rhonda. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where the movie ends. Um, there, an alternate ending was shot where Val and Rhonda's relationship status was much more ambiguous, but apparently after a test screening hated it, they mm-hmm. ended up reshooting the ending. So. Like, I, I'm one of, like, I usually don't really care for it when you get a very, like, oh, we fell in love over the course of this crisis thing where it comes out of nowhere. But this one, you can actually see them develop affection for each other throughout the entire movie. So it kind of works. Yeah. There's a lot more chemistry in this yeah. one than... Let's face it, in most movies, not even just horror movies, right, but in most right. movies. I, I like pretty much all the characters in this. I, I mentioned my stuff with, with Bert, but that's more just 
how time has progressed since then and how much of the world is currently on fire. It's not Bert's fault. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, he's, he's definitely, to me, he's the exception that kind of proves the, the rules so, uh-huh. for me. I like, hope, like, I, I want to believe Bert is a good guy. Yeah. I, I want to believe in Bert. Yeah. I do. I, I believe in Bert. Um, so yeah, so that was, uh, that was Tremors again. Yep. I mean, if you haven't seen it for whatever Definitely reason, go watch, go watch that it. Yep. Classic movie. Great movie. Love it to death. Um, but now without further ado, we're going to go ahead and head on over to the yep. crunch. We're going to cut to some music real quick. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a big old worm. Yep. This one was a really simple creature to do, honestly. Um, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's, in a lot of ways, it's already in D&D with various it, things. Well, it, it has inspired so many right. other things. So, But it does have a few unique traits that aren't in mm-hmm. D&D. So we'll get to those here in a second. Um, so in honor of my beloved daughter, I named this thing. <laughs> I... There was only one thing you could call this guy, and I'm, I'm I, glad you went for it. Okay, I'm, I'm glad. I, I almost didn't do it because we already have the Screamaconda. Yeah. But I had to call this thing the Screamy Worm. There was no other choice for us. Like, that, that's something that's just for, for us and our family. But, yeah, there, it, there's there was no else. other There was no other option. Yeah. Um, and everyone else is just going to have to deal with it. You can call this guy whatever you want when you're on the campaign. <laughs> we don't hold you to, yeah. to anything that we put on the page. Uh, but this, our, our screaming worm is a huge beast, chaotic neutral, mm-hmm. um, pretty high armor class at 18. Uh, we see that they've got some pretty good armor, especially on their facial zone. Um, and for the most part, like you, you watch Bert and Heather unload an awful lot of ammo into it before it finally yeah. takes it down. So, um, it's definitely got high AC at 18, a lot of, a decent amount of hit points at 129 average. Um, and it's of course speed. It's got a burrow speed of 40 feet. Mm-hmm. Can't move along the ground other than that. Um, I gave it high strength, 18, 12 in dexterity, 16 in constitution, and a 14 in intelligence. These things are smart. Yeah. Uh, low wisdom and low charisma because they're they're blind and, uh, well, they stink. <laughs> they do. Um, I gave it a tremor sense of 120 feet. That's which... one of those things that I always forget actually exists in, in <laughs> raw D&D. Because like, it it never comes up. Like I've used it quite a few times, actually. Really? Okay. Because yeah. it just seems like it's one of those things where it doesn't happen a whole lot, except for yeah. you know this guy and like the purple worm and stuff like that. Zorn, Zorn have it. Okay. Zorn have it. That makes sense. But uh, but yeah, Tremor Sense 120 feet. Yep. Um, it is blind beyond this radius, which right. is uh, what a lot of uh, Tremor Sense creatures do not have. Oh, really? I from what I can tell, most yeah most Tremor Sense creatures in D and D have eyes. Huh, it's okay. weird, but whatever. Uh, passive, passive oh, perception of seven. These things are not very observant because, again, they don't they don't have eyes, right? Um, and then uh, damage vulnerabilities to thunder damage. Okay. Um, now, of course, it, just as a reminder, thunder does not in D and D terms does it's not mean lightning. lightning. It yeah, is thunder is sound. sound. Yep, it's, it's acoustic. <laughs> yep. And for these things, 
that's what they're vulnerable to. Mm -hmm. That's what they use in the movie. Uh, no languages, of course. Um, gave him a challenge rating of five. These things are tough. I mean, in the movie, we see average people taking them out, but yeah. not without substantial effort and, and, and not planning. without exploiting their weaknesses. Exactly. Explosions and gravity. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> a lot of things are weak to gravity, if you think about it. <laughs> Most things. Most, Most things, things are weak to gravity. Yeah. But um, <laughs> their only trait is stench, okay. which is lifted directly from the troglodytes. Um, <laughs> with a lower DC, uh, any creature other than a screamy worm that starts within five feet of it, um, they have to succeed on a DC eight constitution saving throw yeah. or they're poisoned until the creature's next turn. Uh, if they do succeed, they're immune to it for an hour. So, okay. um, pretty simple, but I wanted to include the, the smell in there somewhere because that's such a staple of the, of these things and something that I always right. remember. I mean, granted, in the movie, no, nobody's ever debilitated by the stench, but... No, but it's it's something that's commented on enough that I think making it a feature is, yeah. is of course, a wise move. I don't think that it's going to come up too terribly often Yeah, in how often gameplay? are you going to be within five feet of these things for longer than a moment? Other than while being eaten. Yes, exactly. and then Which I guess is probably the I point. mean, that's a problem. <laughs> yep. So. Oh, man, I'm being eaten by this thing, and it smells <laughs> terrible. <laughs> But I mean, it's just a DC eight save, so yeah, even it's... while you're while you're restrained by this thing, you're probably going to be okay. Right, right. Um, and that's why I made the DC so low is because it's it, it's apparently not debilitating in the movie. No, it's but... just annoying. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then as far as its actions go, I did give it the multi attack. Okay. Uh, it can attack with three tentacles. Well, that makes or sense. Make three tentacle attacks. That's just. Yep. Yeah. Alternatively, the Screamy Worm can pull a target that it's grappling up to 15 feet closer and make a swallow attack. Okay. So we have another creature with swallow. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw that. We, we saw it coming, right? I mean, yeah. So as far as... We're, we're kind of getting in a hole, Matt. And the hole <laughs> is eating things and lighting them on fire. <laughs> Whatever, man. Whatever. That's <laughs> the nature of the beast in this case. So, all these different beasts so yeah it's got a bite attack um average damage 3d 10 plus four piercing uh plus seven to hit so like these things will hurt when they mm -hmm. bite you um and then of course it's got the swallow attack which is again directly lifted from things like the the giant frog um though uh in this one if if you know if it's being grappled it can or if, if the target is being grappled the screaming worm can try to swallow it by making a bite attack, um, if the bite attack hits, the creature is swallowed. The grapple ends. Okay. Target is blinded and restrained. The same, you know, the, the standard swallow mechanics here. Uh, they take 2d4 acid damage and 2d6 bludgeoning damage at the start of each of the Screaming Worm's turns. Okay. Which is a little bit modified from the normal swallow mechanics. They don't usually take the bludgeoning damage. But to me, these things probably crush inside of them. Like... They're big, that, but there's probably not a huge amount of room inside. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, here's something that I just got to, to thinking of, Matt. Mm -hmm. We see the, the Graboid pull a car under the ground at one point. Right. But it does not eat the car. Okay. It just pulls it under the ground. Sure. Christine is a large creature. Uh-oh. Okay. So, can a Graboid <laughs> eat Christine? Um, so in my notes here, uh, it has to be a small, a larger, smaller target. Right. So yes. Okay. Rules. So maybe the graboid just didn't 
eat that car. Well, again, I, I would argue that a real-life car yeah. is a huge creature. <laughs> or a huge construct. You're probably right. Yeah. Christine, your Christine, our wicked wagon, uh-huh. uh, is a little bit smaller than okay. average. Okay. So, um... <laughs> I just, I just had to. <laughs> you had to bring I, that in. I saw pieces coming together. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> and I had to make the comment that this graboid can eat a car. That's fair. Um, either will either uh, exploit things in the movie that that were possible, or you're just going to challenge me. One of the two. Yeah. So I'm okay with it. That's fine. But um, then it's of course got its tentacle attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's plus seven to hit. These things have a reach of fifteen feet. Right. Um, I wanted, like, I, I kind of have trouble determining the range or the reach of these things because, like, clearly they're meant to reach out and grab things. But at the same time, you can get away from them by getting on a rock. Right. So, I, and honestly, 15 feet's probably more than these things can feasibly do. Probably. But I'm fine with it for, yeah. for game, like, rolls. I'm, yeah. And, I'm and, it, and it, I mean, at the same time, you see at least 15 feet of, of snake tongue wrapped around a horse. So, who knows? Yeah. But, and, like, when it wraps around the axle of the truck and stuff like that and gets pulled off, like, that's, I don't think that's 50 feet, but it might be, I don't know, six feet or so. Yeah, and I mean, and, and that's, like, like, half of this. Half, yeah. yeah. So, no, I have no problem with yeah. that. But uh, each tentacle only does 1d4 plus 4 piercing damage. Okay. Um, but the target has to make a DC 14 strength saving throw or be grappled with an escape DC of 14. And uh, the Screaming Worm can use each uh, tentacle to grapple a different target or the same target. But for each extra tentacle grappling the single target, the escape DC is increased by two. Okay. So, um, which is not a mechanic I've seen in other creatures. Uh, no, that just makes sense, though. Right? I think it, it, it makes it makes it more interesting. Like, if, if three tentacles are wrapped around you, you're going to have a hell of a time getting away from it. Yeah, I could see they're doing that where it increases the initial DC or they have to make separate checks for each tentacle like which either one of those I think. right right and I, I i think either one would accomplish the same goal yeah. but one is a little bit more tedious yeah yeah um, I, I like this one better myself but uh so yeah that's that is our screaming worm like, yeah like i mean simple it, and effective it's simple but i i dig it it really replicates what we see from these things in the movie um so yeah it's, it's a cool beastie there you got man well, i appreciate it i i like it uh, again one of my favorite, all-time favorite monster mm-hmm. movie monsters. I love these things, and I was very happy to be able to uh, to do this. I mean, let's face it; I was going to cover this movie regardless whether oh, yeah. it was a request or not. Like but... this was this was on our list from day one, right like, at the top. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, cool. Um, so that was me for this week, yep. Chris. What have you got for us uh, in two weeks? All right. Um, well, I had kind of a rough time picking a movie this time just because of everything that's been going on like i so i was i had a million different places where i wanted to go uh i but i've kind of been wanting to rewatch this movie because i really like it so uh we are going to watch attack the block oh sweet uh, okay cool 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 i i look forward to that yeah it's, awesome. it's a good movie yeah it's a fun movie oh. star making a role for mr john boyega so yeah as always thank you all so much for listening we really do appreciate that um, feel free to follow us at Creature Crunch on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, join our Patreon uh, to get our bonus Critter Kibbles episode, yep. uh, where you can get such gems as our John Voight's performance stat block. I, ha- I have to. We have to in. put that yeah, caveat on there. I do. After I do. finding out more information about that man. Yep. 
but uh, we also have the exclusive. Well, I, maybe I, not exclusive. I wouldn't say exclusive because I'm sure someone's done yeah, something similar. But we got a semi truck. We got a semi truck. <laughs> hey kid, you want to find a truck? <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, join us there. Uh, feel free to reach out to us, uh, creaturecrunchpodcast at gmail.com as well. Yep. Uh, hit us up if you have any requests, any movies you'd like us to cover. Or any comments, especially it, like we keep saying, if you use any of these creatures in your campaigns. Uh, they are all up on D&D Beyond for use in their encounter creator and just to have the stat blocks in... With one exception. With one... What's that? The Cooked Hell Turkey. D&D Beyond will not let me publish the Cooked Hell Turkey because it is too similar to the Living Unseen Servant stat block. That's really funny. Yep. Like, that is so... I don't... I didn't think they were that similar to each other, but... I think it's because the Living Unseen Servant has... The, the only ability is... Uh, the slam attack, and that's the cocktail turkey's only attack. Uh, well, name it something different. Name it bump. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah sorry guys, you can't have a cooked hell turkey. I mean, I guess if you really need to, just pull up the living unseen servant stat. <laughs> yeah, I guess because apparently they're the same thing. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Dev, like I said, hit us up if you if you do use any of these creatures. Right. We'd really love to hear that uh, feedback so we can maybe edit or. Uh, just adjust for the future. Yeah, or even just send us a note if you're enjoying the show at all. Mm-hmm. Like, feedback helps so much. Yeah, just knowledge and, and <laughs> feedback gratification. Feedback from people we don't see on a daily basis. <laughs> right. <laughs> as so. much as we love our, our family and friends for listening to us ramble on in these shows. Yep. Like, the I, I love it when we get, get little notes from other people. Absolutely. Even people, like, who, who are excited about shows that we're going to be doing. Like... I, there was a thread mentioning uh, Metamorphosis the other day on Twitter. And I was like, oh, hey, we're doing that episode here in February. And people got kind of excited about it. Oh, really? Yeah. That's super cool. And it's like, okay, I'll let you guys know when we're doing it. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. And definitely, I mean, we, we also crave the validation. Yeah, so. <laughs> that helps a lot. <laughs> and uh, friends and family, keep it up. We love you yeah. guys and we love hearing it. So. <laughs> Looking at you, Lance. Um. <laughs> Lance, one of the two people who gives us $5 every month, the other being me. <laughs> yep. All right. So, okay. anyway. Where are we and where can we be found, Matt? Uh, yeah, Chris. Uh, we, 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 well, I, I talked about where we can be found. Yeah. Chris, where can you be found? I can be found on Twitter at the Library C. That's C E E. Uh, I yell about library stuff and get very sad lately. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can find me at uh, on, on Twitter at Danny underscore Hamstake. Uh, generally, I just yell at corporations and uh, occasionally retweet a thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it's worth mentioning, if you want to find our stuff on uh, D&D Beyond, it's not under any of our usernames. It's <laughs> under Matt's old username, which is the best disguise with underscores under best or under the and uh, after the and after best. Because it's something I hadn't thought about. Yep, that is yeah. That is because otherwise they're kind of hard to find on there, Maybe and that's I'll, the easiest way to find them. Also, I think it also bears mentioning. I don't think I have ever mentioned it in any episode, uh, but I've if mentioned you do, it in a couple. No, no. Oh, if you oh. do, um, if you do want these stat blocks, uh, you can find them on our Twitter. But there's also a link in the description of the episode. Right. So. Uh, but it, anyway, um, you can find them in, in lots of different places and lots of different formats. Like we, there's the link in, in each description of the episode. We got the actual stat blocks done from, uh, the home brewery. 
on Twitter, so you can just view those right on Twitter. Same way with our Patreon. We got the Patreon-exclusive ones locked behind the paywall. Please free them. <laughs> um, you can look at them on D&D Beyond, where they're in that format. You can use them in Encounter Builders and stuff for that. Um, yeah, we, there's lots of different ways you can find these guys now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so please, please use them. Tell us. Uh, tell us how good or bad we yeah. job we did. Um, but yeah, I guess that's gonna be it. Uh, we need to really we need to streamline a, this shit. We need to streamline the end, the closing. Bye. <laughs>